Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to your next episode where we interview experts and interesting people about midlife. I'm Louise. And I'm Amy. And today, uh, personally, I'm completely overexcited to be in the home of Arabella Weir. Thank you so much for having us, Arabella, and welcome. Thank you very much. Arabella's a writer of several books. She's an actor, a comedian, one of the stars of BBC's Two Doors Down, which uh, we'll discuss in a bit. And in case anyone's in any doubt, it was Arabella that coined the phrase... Does my bum look big in this? Uh, as part of one of her characters in the fast show, um, Insecure Woman. Um, and then she wrote an internationally best-selling book, Does My Bum Look Big in This? The Diary of an Insecure Woman. And she's currently touring the UK with her show that sold out at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. Um, so, yeah, hello, welcome, Arabella. And that you were supposed to finish by, you know, rounding off my thank you very much introduction with Does My Bum Look Big in This? Um the show is called Does My Mum Loom Big in This? Yes. See what I've done there? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, thank you very much for that introduction. And absolutely true. It's in the Oxford Book of Catchphrases that I coined Does My Bum Look Big in This? Because sometimes there's a little bit of doubt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Some people yeah. don't realise. Not do having they? that. Not having that. No, no not, we're here to straight, set yeah, the, to record put the record absolutely straight. straight. I'm not suggesting I'm the first person who ever said it, but I was the person who coined it comedically. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was that spot the, on. I don't know whether how much has changed in the 25 years since I did it. But oh, that's so depressing, <laughs> I know, Arabella, isn't it? Isn't it? So, so what is the show about and, um, and why, you know, why is it, is it called that? Um, well, in a sort of serious note, I came up with Does My Bum Look Big In This as a comedic take on the fact that I did genuinely believe that my life would be perfect if I had a small bottom, which would, of course, also meant I was thin. And I've never been thin in the sort of, you know, um, conventional sense of the word. I've never been morbidly obese, but I, I, my parents were absolutely obsessed with me being thin. They were Scottish, Presbyterian, pretty hard going, not particularly affectionate. And they focused a lot of attention on how important it was that I was thin and pretty. And uh, they just never let up on that. So I think very early on, I developed as a 
fence a kind of comedic take mm. on eating and not being thin and not being conventionally the right in a commas shape. And so that's how I came up with Does My Bum Look Big in This? Um, and then after my mother died and I was thinking about, I mean, she died 10, nearly 11 years ago, but we always stayed in contact, but we had, it was a never ending combative relationship. We did get on, I would say officially, but I mean, fighting for my mother was meat and drink. So whatever she could say to you that would upset you, she would say. And in my case, she always knew she'd hit pay dirt by going on about how fat I looked in these jeans or there's a story I tell in the show, actually. Um, So I'll get back to that in a second. Mm. But so the the point is, I thought I want to do a solo show. What's it going to be about? And originally I thought it'll just be a few sort of commentary and jokes on the, you know, men I've been out with and Mm -hmm. the usual sort of... uh, you know, standard thing you would expect to see from someone my age and with my profile. And then I thought, no, I'll do an in-depth thing about mothers and mothering. Because although I do tell a lot of um, pretty alarming and I hope funny stories about my mother's spectacularly disastrous attempts at Mm. mothering, well, she wasn't (laughs) attempting to mother at all. She was sort of accidentally a mother um, and kept... Well, she never, ever thought it was a job that had anything to do with her. First of all, she didn't think it was a job. Um, but there was so there's a story I tell in the show that she was quite literally on her deathbed in hospital. They told us and she knew that it was soon going to be over because they'd worked out what was wrong with her. She was 83. So I'd spend as much time as I could just to spend her last days with her. And obviously I wanted to keep her company. So I'd take my lunch in every day. And on this particular occasion, <laughs> my lunch was a rather delicious pret-a-manger coronation chicken sandwich and my mother on her deathbed literally goes have you any idea how fattening mayonnaise is <laughs> God. and I went mum you're dying and she went yes but you're eating mayonnaise <laughs> and I went well we both know which you think is worse but um, <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing this now can I ask you Arabella so what was her reaction to you using that line in the fast show and she obviously did see your 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 rise think, and your success. Was she appalled by that? I think to be, you know, to put it in context and without wishing to sound like I'm sort of, you know, I'm so wonderful. My mother was highly intelligent, highly educated as women of her class. She was pretty posh, were supposed to be. But there was no end game. You were supposed to, in her case, go to Oxford or Cambridge. But, you know, it had to be Oxford or Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And you went there. But then you were supposed to marry someone and look nice in a cocktail dress. You weren't then supposed to go. No wonder I mean, she graduated. They were all up. It was such a contradiction. Yeah, wasn't I it? mean, you you needed to be incredibly well read and intelligent to look good on your successful husband's but, arm. Um, yeah. But there was no notion that you would be frustrated by being just a mother and essentially mm. a cocktail hostess. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think she was incredibly frustrated and rightly so. And so I think a lot of our relationship was. Um, combative because she was jealous Mm. because I remember thinking quite early on not at school but sort of when I became an actor I thought whatever happens I'm not going to end up like mum yeah Mm. Um, I mean I did end up divorced which I didn't sort of plan on but I didn't mean in that way because I you know I think that was very much to do with my father's way of being but I mean they were not suited but um, I think I think she was sort of proud of me in the fast show but also quite jealous and I think she was jealous that I managed to 
make something of my life. Mm. And partly part of the grist that made me so determined to keep going, because there were many, many fallow um, times uh, when I was a jobbing actress, um, was the fact that I thought I can't end up as a woman in her 50s who's frustrated. If I'm unsuccessful, which, you know, the roll of the dice, that could easily have been the case, it can't be because I didn't do my best. Yeah. I cannot be sitting around going, I'm better than this person, I'm better than that. I can't be pissing on everyone from a height, which was a great, you know, because my mother was so bright, there was a lot of looking down on this writer and that writer, because really she should have been a writer. Yeah. She did write oh, stuff. God, but, that frustration. You know, all a that lot frustration. of frustration. Well, I mean, you know, it's every time somebody cuts you up, I'm not saying yeah. it's always white van man, man, but you know, when that guy and you look at his face and you think, well, that's just rage and frustration. Yeah. He hasn't really got all the opportunities in life and going, I think that woman's driving in in a way that's irritating me. I'll overtake her in a perfectly rational way. He's no. going, ah! Yeah, it's, you know, not, about, a lot it's people... not about the traffic. There's something else deep-rooted there, Yeah, there's something there, else going there? on, as with everybody yeah. who behaves that way. What I'm understanding is that, you know, although the show is about your mum's pretty appalling parenting as you said I feel uncomfortable saying that because like it's okay for you to criticise your mum but probably nobody else (laughs) no I I don't know I think if you looked at it objectively a lot of people that come to the show go what is interesting is not one person and there are some absolutely hair raising stories in the show but um, this is in the first half because in the second half I do all me as a mother and that is obviously much lighter (laughs) right Um, uh, although I think probably alarming for my kids I think she just hadn't got a clue. No. She hadn't got a clue. Because she I do got feel that model. you actually, you have sympathy for your mum. And, and you do. understand, you've made an effort to understand why yes. she was the way she was. And I've made yeah. an effort to, and I do say this in the show, contextualise it. You know, she was divorced by the mm. mid-1960s. What, what's, what yeah, is that I'll going just, on upstairs? I'll just point out, I don't well, want to interrupt you, Arabella, but we don't want to... Somebody is hoovering in oh, the room above. Hoovering, Can I just say okay. that? <laughs> furniture being moved upstairs. Very, yes, there's a dead body being dragged across the room. <laughs> this makes people feel like they're in like, the chat, though. This is all good. This yeah. is podcast Arabella. stuff, apparently. Somebody is hoovering, yeah. and that doesn't happen very often, <laughs> in, the, the, in the room above us. Um, so, so, yeah, you yes, I'm very, yeah. very... Uh, when I was writing it, I was very determined that I would, I hope, I've achieved this, make the audience understand that I'm not going, here she is, she was a piece of shit and she was terrible. I'm saying she was terrible, this is true, but this was her background. Mm. This is the role model she had, which was none, and this was the parenting she'd been given so she was not equipped. No. She just literally no. wasn't equipped. No. So yeah, she's not the villain of the piece. No, but, the, um, but you have to have that the sympathy. era is the piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The 60s. Yeah. What was expected of a housewife in the 60s? That's the villain, really. So your parenting, all the interviews I've listened to you do or read, I my feeling is that you are a very good parent. Um, I, you know, um, you're very loving. And, I'm very loving. Um, um encouraging of your children supportive all of those things that are really really important and I think I heard somewhere that you said that you had quite a lot of therapy before you had children yeah so in some ways you know would you have had therapy before you had children would you be the fantastic mother that you are now well I hope I am um you know I didn't have therapy in order to be a mother. My oh, God, okay. I wish I was that organised. Because oh, yeah. I was um, thinking, that is so, like, that I wish so I'd done that. That organised, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I had therapy because I realised when I was in my early 30s that I was the common denominator. 
And that's the key thing with therapy. That, you know, I kept on going out with assholes and kept on fucking up jobs and that sort of thing. And then it was just a friend of mine, actually, a contemporary just went, well, what's the common denominator? And I was like, what? It's and everyone I else's fault. It's nothing to do yes. with me. No, you don't understand. He behaved like this and then he said this, but then he like that. And then, you know, and I went to that job and I did I did read the thing and then they didn't, you know. And uh, it was a bloke, actually, a very old friend, a sort of brother, I mean, not not blood brother, but who I've known since I was 11. And he just went, well, no, you're the only person. You can't do anything about anybody else. Mm. You're the only... And so I started having therapy and it was group therapy on the NHS, the wonderful NHS, which I don't think you'd probably get now. Maybe you would. But it really, I would say I didn't realise it as it was happening. But afterwards, I realised it changed my life because it made me know that I had personal responsibility for everything and that you can only do your best if somebody sacks you or chucks you or doesn't like you or something goes bad in a relationship or a work scenario there's those things will happen but you always have to know that you have done your absolute best and that was how I approached um being a mother when as I say I wish I was organized enough everybody <laughs> should have therapy yeah. Yeah. becoming a parent but if only that were possible I think everybody um, should have a friend like that who would yes. say who are brave enough to say, what's your part in this? Yeah. Because sometimes when people are getting out their emotional baggage, you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to kind of, uh, yeah, just to... Uh, somebody, actually a therapist pointed out to me, it wasn't about him, that friend. Um, but when I said, oh, I really want to say this to this person. And she said, well, you don't like her enough to say it. And uh. I said, oh, what do you mean by that? And she said, if you liked her enough, then you'd say, you, you know what's going it. wrong? You're the thing. But you, people are afraid of the level of intimacy mm -hmm. that that will give you when you go to someone do you know what actually this is what's happened and so most of us sit around going oh yeah no that is terrible that he did that or oh, I'm so sorry to hear that but it's the risk of somebody maybe seeing their arse and not talking to you because you're telling them the truth but actually if well you... if they don't talk to you because they didn't want to hear it yeah and then that's exactly their that's issue. a different thing but you'll get a phone call in a year going okay yeah. or uh, you get a letter right. and, and if they're the kind of person who's going how dare you speak to me like that you've got to understand that I am totally the no one is totally the victim no. ever unless they're in a plane crash or, you know, where there's a sort of... But no one is ever... If you have a part in the relationship, whether it's work or love or whatever, you have agency yeah. and, and everybody needs to realise that. The millennials need to hear this because... Oh, yeah, the Do you know what I mean? It's like we've been no, talking no, about this on really, the train. You're really upsetting me. Oh, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so offended. <laughs> now, if there is a pattern, it's that looking back on that pattern of, yeah, like you say, continuously... You, you've got a spanner in the works continuously. You have to eventually look and say, well, the one common factor here is Yeah, I mean, if things are part. going brilliantly for you all the time, great, you probably don't need therapy. But uh, there is nothing I would say more challenging than being a parent. And I would say that was, you know, times 10 for a mother. Mm. There will be, you will never, there will never be more out there inclined to make you feel like you failed there will be the exhaustion there will be the stakes are so high because mm. you feel this unique attachment to this person and then you think if I give them baked beans three nights in a row or whatever 
Will I have given them a bad relationship with food? You know, there's so much out there. It's overwhelming, that responsibility, yeah. isn't it? You've got to have and it's, your... But, but there's so much out there available to make you feel, oh, God, look at that woman. She weighs nothing. She goes to the gym every day. She's got five kids. I bet she's brilliant. I bet there's no pasta every night for the, her kids. I bet there's no complex carbs. Or rather, it is all complex carbs and not whatever the bad <laughs> carbs are. You know, there's so much out there to make you... Because you know you're imprinting these people. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know, but do you think your mum felt any of that at all? No, no, I really don't. She was she got pregnant very, very easily. She got pregnant many times. She had four kids, and I literally think she thought if somebody had said to her, "You need to know that above all else, this is a job. Mm. There is very little reward until later on, and it's mainly drudgery." Because let's face it, it oh, is it's mainly... Oh, give, give, give. You don't get yeah. anything back and until then. It's what did my stepmother, who I adored, said. She said, it's the hardest job in the world and the one for which you get no training mm. and no reward. Yeah. I mean, of course, the reward is the kid eventually. Yeah. But, you know, there's an awful lot of input yeah. and not much outtake. Mm. I think she literally thought that was nothing to do with her. It was mm. a coincidence that mm. she, you'd come out of her. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was very grand as well. And I think... I mean, it's not that she was brought up in Downton Abbey, but she did sort of think menial things. If you'd said, can we read Proust in French with her, mm. that would have been no problem. Yeah. She'd have been well up for that. Yeah. But if you'd said, I need to be fed, there needs to be loo paper, not because I'm saying it's a woman's job, but because she was by this time a single parent, she'd go, why are you looking at me? Mm. Yeah. So she would go to the shops and buy these things, but if they ran out and she didn't want to go to the shops, it was like, why are you looking at me? Um, and I think she just hadn't made the connection between the drudgery and no. and being able to give birth to kids. But also she wasn't happy, was she? She so, was not a happy no. person. I was going to talk about mental health. I mean, it's a conversation that we're all having every day about spectrum and behaviour. And, and I guess... I think my mother was depressed. Yeah. yeah, I think she was long-term depressed. I think she had bouts. She was actually a rather an incredibly funny and witty person but I think ultimately there was I mean anger is depression isn't mm. she so while she may not have been clinically depressed she was certainly harboring a great deal of anger and resentment and she had been wildly overeducated for... well, and actually did really really clever so <sighs> yeah that's but a you know if, you're, if we're all taking personal responsibility mm. then she should have thought at a certain point okay yeah. You know, yeah. this is my responsibility. I must write the book or do the thing. Mm -hmm. But, but I guess been... that wasn't encouraged there. Now women are writing books as they're breastfeeding, aren't they? And pub publishing. Now that's another them. problem. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we just have a baby be, you know, be the size of a house, eat crisps, yes. and watch Judge Judy yeah. all day while we're breastfeeding? Surrender to yes, it. Yes, we can. Yes. <laughs> it's just that Absolutely. now we're terrified we won't be able to get back out into the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that um, all this understanding and I mean, obviously our, our, our podcast is sort of aimed at that midlife thing obviously all these cogs and all the pieces of the jigsaw have set in what since you've well you've, you've obviously yeah had i would say 40s, i would or... say i i achieved a greater understanding well obviously having therapy but then having children and then i mean i clung on to my marriage way after i shouldn't have done and it was only uh, actually a therapist saying you need to understand that you are modelling mm. a relationship for your children. And then I thought, right, that's yes. it, I'm yeah. out. Because you think you're doing uh, the best uh, yes. things to stay together for the you kids. Absolutely but actually, do. You're... And then it was just the therapist saying that, and I thought, oh, no, 
no, no, no. My kids yeah. cannot think this is what a relationship yeah, yeah, looks like. Yeah. And another, a really close girlfriend of mine, she said, uh, uh, it was such a good thing to say. She said, if they're not treating you like a friend, what on earth are they doing there? Mm. She said, because everything else you can get, you know, if you want a leg over, that's fine. You yeah. can get any, but if they're not treating you, she said, ne- uh, and I've always said this to my kids, never accept from a lover, mm. a partner, what you wouldn't accept so, from a friend. From a friend, And yeah. we're brought up to go, oh, look, he's in a bit of a bad mood and stuff. But if your friend were talking to you like that, you go, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you talking to me like this for? Yeah. You didn't leave my house. Um... And yes, but we make, or I certainly did. So partly because of my parents' marriage, I was absolutely convinced that I had to stay with my husband. And then, so I think I've developed a great deal since. And that was quite a journey because I really didn't want to do that to my kids and was very reluctant to split up with him. Uh, But then I saw that I was being a better parent and that the three of us were having a better time Mm. without this toxic thing around. And... uh, Yes, so, and then that was the other thing, partly because of my mother. I had this thing in my head that I was convinced I would turn into the unhappy, unfulfilled person my mother was as a single parent. And in fact, it was the reverse. I mean, I've got incredibly supportive friends, many of whom are my children's godparents. Not that that really matters. I've just got, you know, that whole, it takes a village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I had fantastic help with the kids when I needed it I mean practical help because I was still working all the time and you know literally things like when I went on location for a couple of weeks in Glasgow I I needed someone to sort of live with the kids or they could go and live with them and and my closest friends all did that for me and yeah so I definitely think I've also understood my mother's position even better Mm. then because she was a single parent but without the network that I've had and also without any of the understanding of what kids need. I think yeah. she was so immersed in how miserable she was. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the sort of kids saying, you're not going away again. And that was like a dagger to my oh, heart. No. And then I thought, yes, but what I'm modeling for them is that you can be yeah. a good, efficient, yeah. lone parent and fulfill your own work yeah. and still be yeah. a good enough parent to them. A well-rounded human enough. being, exactly. Winnicott, isn't it? Good enough. Yes, yes. <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So um, can we talk now about Two Doors Down? Oh, yeah. Um, which is, in case anyone hasn't heard of it, it's, it's the, the BBC sitcom centred around a couple um, and they're insufferable in labels. Uh, yeah, Scotland. in Paisley. So, and it's a huge hit and there are... Four series, I think, on iPlayer. Yes. Four, series, Four series, and we're about to do a fifth. Are you? Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, good. Um, um, it's absolutely perfect. Thank it, you. it really is. And But what struck me and what I just wanted to ask you about was um, it's got three really strong middle-aged characters. Middle-aged female characters. Female characters, thank you, sorry. Middle-aged female characters, which makes it sort of wonderfully different. So did you absolutely bite the producer's hands off when they yes i did i read the first script and i thought i've never wanted a job as bad as <laughs> did I you really yeah. wow and i really 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 wanted it <sighs> and which made it very difficult to meet for because of course like with anything a love affair or a job or anything when you desperately want it you yeah. think well how could i possibly get it and also something in me i hope most people don't think this but i certainly do something in me will convey that I desperately want this, desperate. which will make me inherently unwantable. Um, you know, because they, you know, don't want something too much and all those kind of... Yeah. Certainly in my industry, don't go in, you know, go in... Be aloof. Yeah, be aloof. But, like but how got, long ago was this then? The... For, for what the they first, now call it, the pilot. The but pilot, it was a one which was the New Year's film. Eve one. Yeah. That was... How this many? year it'll be... I want to say six or five years... Five years ago. Okay. This year. So it's about four and a half, five years So you must ago. have... Did you not have a feeling of like, well, I am Arabella Wig, so, you know, I mean... Oh, I've always got that <laughs> uh, in, in a coffee shop, on a bus. <laughs> Listen here, I say you there. Um, I'm Arabella Wig. Can I not pay my fare? But you know, you must have had some... I'm no, just finding any... it really interesting that you had your, like, insecurities and anxieties. Oh, no, 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 no. Anybody I know of any note at all, whether mm. they're instantly recognisable in the street... You know, much more famous than me or not. Anybody, you just think, well, you know you're not the only one. There will be two or three other actors who've done yeah. as much as you. Of course, I was thinking, I know I was born to play this part, but I knew they were meeting other women. And one of them I met, actually, as we were both meeting. And I thought, well, I know she's very, very good. I didn't think... She was as yeah. right for it as me. No, but oh, like now I can't imagine. Now. I'm just like surely they. Well, you, I'm not a natural fit going... for Beth because you know I'm I I'm you know I'm I'm I am Scottish and I was brought up as a Scot, but I don't have a Scottish accent. And um, no, I can think of other people who could okay. have played Beth very well. So, right. but thank it you was for meant that. to be. Actually, I, it's the other two. <laughs> I don't think there was anybody in the world who could play. I don't think there's anyone Elaine's could play part the three of or, you or, actually. Or so Dune's you know. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy and Christine. They're, fant um, they're fantastic. Yeah, characters. but they, well, one of the I think one of the best things about it is, and because it's written by two men, one who's gay and one who's straight. Mm. Uh, I think the fact that it's got three such strong female parts is yeah. is the you know very and much middle aged as well. Yeah. And you know, and there's yeah, and they're all the, over fifty. The all character over um, that plays 
Sophie, Christine's daughter, is a, yeah. is a strop, but obviously she's much younger. Yeah. Do you think that there is a slow sea change in attitudes towards older women in film and TV? I know, because I, as you said in the lead, very nice in the introduction, I, I write a bit. I have had meetings. I know there is a kind of, they call it the silver dollar, don't they? There's yeah. a kind of place for Meryl Streep and, you know, there's that sitcom that's on now with Jane Fonda. Yeah, and Grace and Frankie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lily Tomlin. I'd be surprised if we catch up, because remember, these women are movie stars. Yeah. And they don't really look like Beth out of Two Doors no. Down, do they? <laughs> so, um, and, you know, but there are some fantastic actresses in Hollywood who... Yeah, but they all they all play reasonably unlikely characters, don't they? Mm. It's all you know. Everyone's had well, the people we've just mentioned. They've all had plastic surgery and stuff. I know that they're trying to put older women in things, but I know as well that people are desperate for younger people to watch television. I think the median age of a television, an actual TV program, is mm. fifty five now. Mm. You know, and I know they're desperate to get kids to watch TV. Oh. Um, and I don't know. What I do know and I've noticed is there's a sea change is you can't, you wouldn't now in a writer's room or a producer's room go, well, she's too old. You wouldn't dare say that anymore. So, oh, and you might notice, then, yes, isn't it? and you might notice that you have only got people who are 28 in it, but, or whatever. But I think there is a bit of a sea change. I mean, really it's about the right to be there that it seems to be changing your entitlement mm. but i'd be surprised if there's a massive sea change mainly because people want audiences that will stay with them for 20 years don't yeah. they so they want oh. to get people in their late 20s early 30s because i'd read that the average um television viewer is a woman and she's over 50 mm. so i was thinking well those women aren't you know they're not sitting in the corner knitting, so they're going to want to see characters they relate to. And I assumed that. Well, that's that would probably mean it would all... true. I mean, look, I'm sure that's yeah. true in EastEnders and Coronation Street yeah. and all the big, you know, the big soaps that get watched all the time. But there also seems to be quite a lot of sort of young, glamorous people in those shows that yeah. you kind of think, I don't believe yeah. she lives in Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With those lips. Yes, right. Where's she getting all that plastic surgery? Um, oh, Lindsay does a lovely liposuction yeah. down in Village. Or Yes, or, um, no, what's everyone has, the you know, the injections. Oh, oh the Botox. Botox. But you can get that, you can get that at your dentist now, can't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I why I go to a dentist yesterday. for that, but still. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's a Series 5 coming. There's when a Series that, 5. When will that be on our screens, I reckon it will be on the screen in winter 2020 or very early January 2021. Good. All right, then. That's okay. Because we we watch it. Paul and I watch it with our son, Ned, our youngest, who's still at home, and he's 15. And it's just... Does he like it? He loves it. Oh, yes. He finds it hilarious. Very good. He's discerning, though, Arabella. He's not your usual (laughs) 15-year-old. It's one of those... Because we, you know, try and find things that we can all watch together, because otherwise he just goes to his room and, you know doesn't social right has he us. discovered staff let's flats oh yes watched oh. all of that with him yes yes <laughs> i've watched that with a couple of teenage boys absolutely Howling hilarious funny. yeah really yeah. funny a couple of questions uh, about this stage of your life so first of all um i'd like to ask you about emptiness syndrome yeah obviously you're not um someone who's sitting at home in a pinny baking cakes for no for 
then there's no one for there people to who aren't them. here. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I know. Yeah, you know, I understand that. But your children are both away from home more now yeah, yeah. than they are at home. I actually How... address this in the end of the show. Oh, do you? Um, because I, you find, and I, I say this at the very end of the show, and it's not a funny bit. I don't think it's meant to be a tearful bit. It's just a sort of you know here I am bit. Mm. Um, you've got to develop all sorts of new skills. I mean, you're still a mum because they are your children mm. but they're now i mean you know it took me ages to get used to the idea that my son would be walking about leeds on his own oh, yeah. and i was thinking how he can't do that no. uh, even though he'd been out in london loads of times on his own i suddenly thought he can't be in a new city how's he gonna know oh. how to do anything and the same with my daughter <laughs> so it, that's that sort of letting well working out that they are adults who know how to use mm. buses and when mm. they don't they'll find out mm. um but that was particularly hard struggle because I was so uncared for in just a very practical way, like where I was at night and at 14, 15 years old, you know, my mother wouldn't have had a clue and wouldn't have thought of asking. So I've, 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 I'm aware that I've oversteered quite a lot. <laughs> so there's a lot of, yeah, but how, how, which bus? And he's going, you don't even know Leeds. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I can see your son <laughs> in a podcast in 20 years saying, yes, mother smothered me a yeah. little bit. I would- <laughs> Still uh, breastfeeding. No, I, I'm pretty good. So <laughs> the empty, I found. I have to admit, I found it quite a struggle the f- first time. I wouldn't say. I remember thinking, "Am I lonely?" And I'm lucky enough because of my friends and because of my interests in life and because of still working to say that I wouldn't say I'd experienced loneliness, but it, it, you know, for the kind of sadness that that word connotates but I would say that I missed the noise and the bustle and the activity and the presences Mm. um and so yeah that was a bit of a struggle but then I just thought well you better do something and I started volunteering with a sort of women's refuge uh because yeah I thought well I consider myself very privileged you know I'm white middle class educated I know I wasn't very well cared for but I have learned to care for others so I have found helping other people does quite a lot to mm. sort of get rid of your empty nest syndrome. And so does wine, yeah, um, <laughs> which is weird. Isn't it funny? Wine really helps. I don't care what they say. Alcohol is the answer, it turns yeah. out. Well, you're grieving that chapter, aren't yeah. you? You're grieving that and you have to, that's a, you have to honour that and process that. And like you say... And good wine know. seems to be the only way. <laughs> but it, it, that's the other thing I never thought. I, I mean, I've turned into one of those mad old ladies who looks at babies in the street and tells their mothers how lovely they are. Oh. I don't try and kidnap them, but... Uh, that oh, you bring really, it back an hour later, I can tell you. Yeah, you go, um, oh, look, you get a bit sort of, you know, I don't want my children to have children yet, but I... I do. You miss those toddlers, don't yeah. you? I didn't think that was going to happen. I know. And, you, and I cannot work out that that squidgy little toddler is that big person who seems to be able to make their way around a town that isn't the town I brought them up in. That's quite weird. Because that person's um, gone. I got tearful walking through Marks and Spencer's uh, at Halloween because of all the Halloween things. And I used to do a Halloween tea for Ned. So he would have friends around, they'd have a tea, and then they'd go out with the dads doing trick-or-treating you know around our neighborhood so the Halloween tea I used to put so much effort into it and and then walking through like and for a while I was really pleased not to have not to for bother you with anymore. that and then walking through yeah. and just like 
And my eyes were smarting because I was like, I'm never going to do a Halloween. Can you just please remember, uh, like, when when you're next walking down the aisle of Mark's Spencer, how fucking tedious that is, and how everyone annoys you, and you can't wait for everyone to go. To go, oh, not pasta again. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can't. I don't like these sausages. Have you got anything else? No. That's what I've got. You're bloody well like them. Or you're scraping them off the ceiling because they've had like 17 packets of Haribo. Or you're standing out because I used to, of course, take them trick or treating. You're standing outside the house and you're thinking, I can see you in there you yeah. asshole <laughs> just to at least have the good grace to turn off the lights yes. if you're not going to answer the There's door walking about <laughs> we do cherry pick our memories don't we no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so female friendships you've you've actually spoken about that quite a few times which is just so lovely you know it takes a village uh like you say uh you know those imp- those friendships are are important to you um oh oh i'm um, more than important they're central to my life absolutely still central. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even more so now that I'm, you know, my kids are not here. Uh, yes, I don't, I have, I two very, very good friends I met on the first day. Uh, you know, I went to secondary school, a very unhappy, insecure little girl. I made two friends on the first day and they're still my yeah. closest wow. friends. And uh, we had similar backgrounds. We all had slightly crazy, not coping mothers who'd done that. mothers. Well, there was a sort of, you know, divorce became much easier in the mm. 60s and there was a big rash of divorces mm. without, I think, all these women understanding that they would be on their own, yeah. they would be financially poorer and it would, not that they should have stayed with their husbands, no. but that it wasn't going to necessarily be Jermaine Greer's life every day. Yeah. That it was going to be, there was going to be a lot of hardship with it. And I don't mean hardship like, you know, living on a council estate and working two jobs because everybody I was at school with was middle class and privileged, but there were some real hardships. And we, and not least of all in in these two girls' cases, we had fairly, well, not neglectful in the other two girls' cases, but not, shall we say, not kind of Enid Blyton mothers. Mm. And uh, the, one of the things I've always been good at, I would say, was my qualities is I've always been honest. I have never not... I don't see the advantage of not telling people that you're low and depressed mm. and needy um, and need help. I just, what do you gain? Mm. Um, you know, that's where, with all due respect, that's where men live. Mm. I can't tell this bloke at work that my marriage is falling apart or that I'm worried I'm going to lose my job or that I'm losing my hair, whatever mm. it is, because he will, men are brought up to think that that guy will then think, oh, now I'm sort of better than you. Yeah. I'm a silverback, you're not. Mm. Um, Whereas women share, women, don't they? Yeah. Share and, and connect. And and my only experience of sharing with women, yeah, I've been let down by a couple of women in my life, but by and large, my only experience is that you create really strong friendships mm. in which people also know that they can be vulnerable mm. and that you will help each other. It's not exclusive to women. I've got very good female friends, but I've got a few just trying to think of them. I've got quite a few male friends, um, some of whom, yeah, all of whom I think have found the same thing. If I'm honest with them and ask for their help and their friendship and their they care and their love, they yeah. can do the same with me. And that I, I would pride myself on saying I am a very good friend. I yes. know how to be a very good friend. Yes. I may okay. not be a very good 
partner, but I've been a very good friend. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, like you say, if you need to get a leg over, you can go and do that. You can always get, get a leg over. There, you know, get, uh, Uber, Uber. I'm sure they'll be yeah, opening that Uber up. leg over. <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea. Um, we, you know, we were discussing it on the train, weren't we? About, um, so you've got those old friendships. You've known those girls since 11. I and mean, you've probably got friends from when the your little ones were little. But then, Yes, I've got some very good friends I made as uh, as parents. Yeah. Do you tend to sort of make friends like... Like now? Yeah. No. No. Uh, I'm full up. Um, yes. I'm sorry, I don't We're need full. any more. Bye. Sorry, there's nothing available at the moment. No, of course I could make a friend now, but you do slightly settle, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I think you're not chasing one, it, are you, anymore? I mean, I because I'm so sort of, you know, verbose and, you know, I like to think of myself as good company, I get invited to quite a lot of things because people go, oh, you'd be really, you'd be a really good dinner party mm. guest and mm. all that sort of thing. And I'll go to that, but I don't find myself thinking, Oh, this person's gonna be my friend for mm-hmm. life, but um, because actually you, you're having all your needs met by your other friends. I would say that's probably. pretty much true. Yeah. yeah, my my, you know, all the boxes are ticked. Yeah, good. I think you know, for anybody who is listening to this podcast, who's maybe sort of um, you know in their mid to late fifties, early sixties, and perhaps are on the on the verge of you know getting a divorce or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about all the different people, and and maybe yeah. then that's when you're kind of like, oh shit, I've got, I've actually invested everything in this marriage. I've got no friends. But have you, well, that's know. a mistake, yeah. isn't it? Because I think um, women are out there, aren't they? Also, I think it's very very important. I've got a, I've got a close friend who's sort of against her will, you know, getting divorced, sort of. And I said to her, you won't be able to see it now but you have no idea What's how good your yeah. life's going to be yeah. without. Because there is nothing worse than a not good enough relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, there's plenty worse than that. But what I mean yeah. is saying is there is nothing more kind of life sapping yeah. than I kind of, oh, yeah, he's in a bit of a bad mood. No, he mm. doesn't really want to do that. A, a, a good friend of mine's mother has just been widowed at 80, I think she's 86, and the dad was like 89 or something. She is having the time of her life. She said, I can watch what I want on TV. Oh, I'm going out her. to lunch every day. And I went, well, what was Why your mother doing before? Do and she went, he, her dad, she had to ask her husband's permission to oh, wear trousers. Oh, shit. Wow. Dear, dear. And there, you know, this is not uh, an ethnic minority either. This is a sort of, she just said, well, it wasn't worth it. Your dad would be in such a bad mood if I watched a programme that he didn't want to watch. And I mean, okay, I know we're also talking about a generational thing, but I think there really can be life after divorce and it probably will involve your girlfriends, Mm -hmm. you know, your really close friends because, Mm -hmm. let's face it, you're not sort of desperate for sex in, you know, or whatever, (laughs) assuming your marriage was very unlikely providing that. Um, But, you know, it's like back to that thing of, if this person is not your friend, Mm. that you can come back from a hard day and go, oh God, this happened, or even this guy tried to sit on the, you know, he knew I was after the seat on the Mm. bus and he sat in front of me and I had to stand up. You just want someone, if they're not going to be at the very least, the person who goes, oh, that sounds like a bummer. Yeah. Uh, Would you like a glass of wine or shall I make supper and stuff? Then what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. 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 So if they're not going to be your friend... I think then, a lot of things get normalised, don't they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, just habits set in years and years. And, and you know, I guess you, you're bringing all the baggage from your childhood. Your partner's bringing all the baggage from their childhood. And we, you, you, sometimes you just stay. But, yeah, I think that's a brilliant message. Like, there is life after. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But you might have to put a lot of effort into it. So, finally, what's really great about this stage of your life, Arabella? I know the answer Good. to that. You, um, <laughs> I don't... Imagine I would have admitted this even a few years ago. The best 
thing about being my age, which is 62, and no one can believe it. Thank you. No. It's true. <laughs> um, thank you. That's on cue. Um, is losing my sex drive. That's the greatest thing, yep. would you say? Why is it great? Because I spent... I Looking back, I have no... I wouldn't be able to tell you which strand was which. But, you know, I was always interested in attention from boys. That was a big driving force. I realise now probably a lot of that was to do with if this boy likes me, then I am thin and pretty. Right. So there was... And I would be fairly undiscerning. Um, and a lot of my friends would go, you know, he's not even like close to your level. And I go, oh, yeah, but he likes me. Lucky me. Validation. <laughs> yeah, validation from boys. And you're thinking, why would I need that? And then then I, you know, I did fancy my husband and lots of men in particular you know, but my husband in particular. And so there was love. I was in love with him. So the children did come out of being in love mm. with someone in that unique way that is different to a friendship and is different to just fancying someone. Uh, and then I found myself single, um, as I say, a bit reluctantly, and then found myself having to work through that and being a single parent and founding myself really thinking, well, what are they for? So if they're not going to be my mate and I'm going to really fancy them, what are they doing here? And then naturally, I think just mm. that's biologically, not feeling that, well, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. So you certainly don't have the thing I definitely had in my teens, mm. 20s and 30s, like, oh, hello, he's yes. gorgeous. Yeah. And then you lose all sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's an expression the that works for men, down, which is, you know, there's a great expression that works for men, which is when the balls are full, the brain is empty. <laughs> That's there's a certain amount depending on your how healthy you are emotionally with women. Oh God, he fancies me, and you stop going. Well, wait a minute, he's not good enough, and he was just mm -hmm. rude to me, and I don't like what he did. You know, um, very much what I've tried to instill in my daughter mm. um, and my son, but obviously from the other mm. end. Um, so I suddenly thought, you know, girlfriends of mine were saying, "Oh, do you want to go on Tinder or go to this dating website?" And I'd be going, "But why?" Mm, and yeah. they went, oh, wouldn't you like someone? I went, no, I sort of, I've got lots of really nice friends. mates, yeah, male and female. I've, you know, I'm not lonely. I've always got a place to be if I want. I've got very, very good friends who are also neighbours. So if I'm going on one on my own, can I pop round and have my supper with you? They're always like, yeah, absolutely. Or yeah. I go, should we go out for a meal or something? And I suddenly thought, am I really going to be sort of? Um, trying to find someone and then I've got to hear all about his boring life and <laughs> then I've got to meet his friend. No, they're Gosh, not going to be as be good asked. as mine. I, mean, I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, and then I'm going to have to have sex with them and it's all, I don't want to see an old cock. <laughs> and uh, so, um, I mean, listen, I'm sure I'd be interested if he was 45. So if you're 45 and <laughs> yeah. you're out there, but yes, I and I would just, the Kingsley Amos, you know, the writer, yes. he said... Losing his sex drive was like being unchained from a maniac. And oh, I thought wow. that's exactly what it feels like. I just don't, never, I'm not saying it'll never happen again, but I, it's so not on my it's list of, gosh, hope I can meet someone. No. Yeah. And yeah. I look how, at women and I think, why are you bothered? Yeah. So liberating. Oh my God, if only I could have told my 30-year-old self it was going to be like this. Yeah. No. Well, we're just we're just all a bit horny, aren't we? When we're sort of in our twenties yeah. and thirties, and then when you lose the horn, it's quite a good 
Yeah, yeah but they. nice to recognise that and be like, and it's fine, rather than that, you know who you were saying about some of your friends are going, oh, come on, but don't you want to meet someone? And I think perhaps they're saying that without actually really thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm. I think so many people yeah. are going, right, I'm single now, I'm uh, a bit of a social pariah, I better get a bloke. Yeah. going, don't get no. a bloke. Mm. No. If you meet a bloke, fine, mm. but don't get a bloke. No. It's not a kind of slot you're trying to fill. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be absolutely fine on your own. You fill yeah. your own slot. Exactly, yeah. and if you if there's somebody, as it were, uh, but me. if there's someone you meet, terrific. But otherwise, don't be making do just so that you've got a boyfriend. Because no. I don't think, well, I certainly hope they don't. And if they did, I don't care. I don't think anyone looks at me and thinks, mm, oh dear, she couldn't get a boyfriend. No, no. Or, you know, she's obviously on the shelf. And if, I mean, if they think of me that way, good well, for them, but their I don't stuff. care. Yeah, exactly, that's, that's their shit. nothing to do with you. I certainly don't go anywhere. I mean, I'm very lucky in that I have social confidence. Mm. So, but I certainly don't go, someone said, oh, but wouldn't it be nice so that you've got someone to talk to at a party? And I went, if that's what I'm getting a boyfriend for, <laughs> I'll just not go to the party. No. <laughs> and also all those things you think about, particularly when you're married, like, well, I'll have someone with me if and when I get a cancer diagnosis and they'll be there. And I'm thinking, no, I was there with my best girlfriend when mm. she got cancer, mm. her husband. He couldn't right. really sort of cope. He was like, oh, I can't really be at the hospital. And I was with her every minute of every day. And mm. I know my friends, male and female, be, will do the same for yeah. me. So yeah. unless, they're, like unless they're good enough, yeah. you don't need to no. settle. Thank you so much, Thank Arabella. you very much. Um, it's been so lovely to meet you. All the links for Arabella's um, dates and books and tours and merch and everything is going to be in the show notes. When do you finish this tour? I do this tour until the 12th of May and all the details are on arabellaweir.co.uk. Thank you for having us in your lovely home today and it's been lovely to meet you. Bye. It's been very nice Bye. to meet you too. Bye. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production. Hello, this is Rich Wilson, host of the podcast Insane in the Membrane, where we talk to funny and interesting people about men's mental health. People like James Acaster. Because we won't talk about emotions because we think that's bad. We won't talk about feelings because that's bad. So they've, they've had to rebrand it and go, it's mental health. You're, oh, oh, talk, oh, yeah. yeah. Mental. Our, our brains are so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty clever. Uh, I, I like, okay, I'll get, I'll get into my mental. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, it. I like puzzles. <laughs> and Rob Beckett. I've never even done a school play. <laughs> I did some open mic gigs. Uh, Did the Edinburgh Fringe, got on, somehow got on the telly. And I'm in the other side of the world, in the jungle, doing nights. <laughs> following out and deck. People like Mark Steele. I used to be in a home and I didn't get on with me. My dad was in a, a asylum by then. I suppose we ought to talk about that, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, given the premise of the, the podcast. Search Insane in the Membrane from wherever you get your podcasts. Brand new episodes every Thursday at 6pm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.